but the game was different, right? The the, the rules was different. The ball. Oh, was the Euro, different. The, Euro, the Euro style is different in America. The Euro style was a lot different in America. <laughs> That's the Especially, first time y'all seen that Euro step too, huh? Absolutely. Today on the Euro stepping, uh, very honored uh, to have uh, a good coaching friend of mine, Coach Chris Kreblom. Um, Chris, how you doing, my man? Good. How are you, Dan? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, thanks for joining me, man. Been wanting to get you on here for a while. Um, glad, glad to finally get you in the uh, in the booth, so to speak. Um, Excited. Just really briefly. Um, you know, I know you was in, um, you did high school over in Arizona for a bit and you went to Texas um, and was with a couple of programs and GCU and, and now you're at Bakersfield. So just tell us a little bit about your uh, your, your coaching background. Yeah, you, you, you kind of said it. I coached a, a few years of high school. Uh, two of them were in Colorado. Uh, I went to school in Colorado, finished there and when I was done, I coached two years of high school uh, in Colorado. And then when I finished college, I left and went back to my hometown of Tucson and uh, coached one year of high school there with uh, at Ironwood Ridge <clears throat> High School up in the north side of Tucson and did that for one year and um, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, we won a, the varsity team won a state championship. I was an assistant to the varsity. Uh, worked for a, a really good coach, uh, Brian Peabody. He's now the head coach at Pima Community College in Tucson. Stay in touch with him quite a bit, but worked for him for one year and then got an opportunity to be a volunteer uh, assistant coach over at St. Edwards University in, in Austin, Texas. Did that for one year. Worked for a guy named Ryan Marks. He's another really tremendous basketball coach. He's now the head coach at St. Francis in Joliet, Illinois, in NAI school in Illinois. Um, Worked for him for one year at St. Edwards. And then I was really fortunate to get on as a, as a, another year as a volunteer at the University of Texas and uh, did that for one year as a volunteer. And then my next three years, I got on as a, as a, as a grad assistant and then, and then finally as a video coordinator. So I did that, spent four years at the University of Texas, um, had a really good opportunity there to learn from obviously Rick Barnes who's now the head coach of Tennessee. Um, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame coach and really, really good, really good person. He was around really good staffs, really good coaching staffs, really good players. And then left there uh, to be a, my first time assistant coach at Grand Canyon University in, in Phoenix. Um, we were a, a upstart Division One school. was there for uh, the first four years of their transition from Division Two to Division One. Completed the transition, um, so I was there for a total of seven years, and uh, and then now this, this is in my second year now at uh, Cal, Cal State Bakersfield with Rod Barnes. So now I'm probably the only guy in the country to ever work for Rick Barnes and Rod Barnes, and so here I am, and and uh, we're in California and really like it. Coach Barnes, Rick, Rod Barnes is probably one of the most underrated coaches in the nation. Uh, just a Unbelievable coach, unbelievable person, really good staff, and a really good uh, situation here in Bakersfield that we uh, uh, have a really good chance for a new conference, and we're here to getting things underway now. But we're stuck a little bit because of COVID. But uh, we'll get out of that, and we'll get we'll get to it here pretty soon. 
Nice man. Hey, that's a that's a um a, a, a quite uh storied lineage, you know, coming from um, high school all the way through, and and definitely a a description of you know working your way up. You know what I mean? From high school all the way through. So um, yeah, that's great. So you would have seen um, a lot of different players uh, from all different backgrounds, countries, and, you know, worked with a lot of different individuals. So I think that makes it even, you know, even more important that we have you on the show today. Um, why would you recruit international students over domestic? Uh, and what's the biggest difference you found? I think when I was at, uh, you said it, first of all, I was at Texas and we had some really, really good inter international kids um, that played for us. We had a kid that's uh, the captain at uh, Andula Efes in Turkey, uh, Doge Balbe, he's the captain, just won the Euro Cup a couple years ago and, and uh, a really, really good player for us um, and a really good person. I was in his wedding and just a really good good guy. And another couple guys, we had the kid, Ioannis Papapetro, that I think he's playing for um, Panathinaikos now. I can't remember exactly where he's with now, but he played for us for for one year and was a Greek, good, really good Greek player, borderline NBA player. And then, um, you know, there was a couple other guys. We had Lex and other other international players at Texas. <clears throat> and then when I left Texas, I got to Grand Canyon. And, you know, we were, I, I mentioned we were transitioning from Division Two to Division One. And what entails when you transfer to Division Two, Division One, university cannot participate in the NCAA tournament in the first four years of that transition period. And so, a lot of times American kids at the time kind of would turn their nose up to you a little bit. Even though you're a division one school competing division one schedule, you don't have the opportunity to play in the postseason in the NCAA tournament just because of your transition status. And so because of that, we resorted by just kind of by default just to recruiting a little bit more international kids. A lot of international kids just find the opportunity to play uh, division one and not knowing, you know, the whole transition process and just wanted the opportunity which which all we wanted to do is just get good players and, and and coach our guys and get better and get ready for the opportunity to get to the division one full eligibility level so we had to kind of resort to uh recruiting overseas a little bit we kind of started initially um in, in australia we had recruited um a couple really good players out of australia um that were really good for us in our time grand canyon and then <clears throat> slowly kind of over the years just kind of just kept plugging away and, and starting recruiting in Europe and and uh and it, and it worked out really kind of paid off for us in the end we had to end up having some really good players and because of that um built some really good relationships and, and and uh and met some people over there that just kind of continue to help and stay in touch with them and and there's obviously really good players all over the world so that was a, a big thing that we kind of by default fell onto and then just kind of kept going with it. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's, it's. Uh, I think it's a, a, a market that, I mean, once upon a time, I don't think it was that well, you know, well known and tapped into. Obviously now social media and, you know, videos popping up all the time, but um, I do think that, you know, there's talent globally. And if you can get to it, you know, in some cases, um i feel like the the international student like you said you know the domestic kids 
didn't really want to come to a school that couldn't play in the postseason. Whereas international kids are like, hey man, I just want to stab at it. I just want to go. So I think that's a, a big reason why um, some programs, you know, benefit more from recruiting international students. Um, yeah, there's no question about that. In your personal experience, you know, what country have you recruited from the most? Um, we, the question, I think, you know, we, <clears throat> when I was, we first started the Australia thing with down there, my, my, my younger, one of my younger brothers played professionally in Australia for a while. So I would go visit him and, and then a couple of my teammates from college, uh, were Australian. So we, I, I had spent a lot of earlier time when I was first got the assistant job in Australia recruiting on there, but Australia, because of its, um, English speaking and, uh, there's a lot of schools. It, it's it's a lot easier to recruit Australian kids, not from the standpoint of like it, like the language is easy, right? Like it's they all speak mm -hmm. English, and and there's a lot more familiarity with the game. And so anyway, I think that sometimes that becomes a little easier. Like it's a lot harder to go over to to a country where they don't speak no English, and, and there's a language barrier. You got you got to translate transcripts and all kinds of different things. A little bit make it a little bit more difficult. But again, I think that for us it was initially Australia, and then. I think lately, you know, we had a we had an Italian player. I think you had him on the podcast, um, uh, Alessandro. Yeah, Alessandro. Uh, Lever. He, he was on our team at Grand Canyon, so he's Italian. And we have another Italian kid uh, on our team here at, at Cal State. And um, so Italy has been has been good, and um, uh, Lithuania, and and I've signed kids from Latvia and. Finland and they definitely got some ballers in um, in Latvia, man. I know a couple of yeah. great kids that came out of Latvia. So I had yeah. a I had a teammate, another teammate in college that was Latvian, and so uh, he, he was a good player, tough kid. And we I remember when he you know he lives there now after he left college, and I stayed in touch with him, and he always kind of gives me names and and things that to, to to look into or whatever. But obviously, when you have teammates, or my brother was in Australia, if you have those types of relationships that obviously helps, uh, you know, put eyes and ears on the ground there to kind of let reference to you and kind of follow up because they, hey, I saw this kid or this kid here, talk to him or whatever it may be, and kind of helps you with reference points to, to 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 learn about different kids over there. So, but to answer your question, is I think it was obviously initially Australia, recruited a lot of kids from there, still do, and then obviously Italy, and then, um, you know. I haven't really recruited anybody yet. I have recruited a couple of guys. I haven't signed any kids that have come from from your your neck of the woods yet. But I've, I've, I've yeah, we I'm, we got some man. We got I'm, some man. We got I'm some keen kids to, over there. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm keen to do that. So no, we. Uh, but yeah, I think to answer your question, probably Australia and Italy would be two probably main ones right now. The uh, the only difference I'd say, you know, you know, without getting into too too much detail. I think the only difference between Australia and England is probably the weather. And I could understand why you'd recruit more in Australia, you know, the weather being how it is. So I, I've um, been to, uh, not, you know, this, I've been there now a handful of times. And every time I've never seen the sun since I've been there. It's always, <laughs> it's always just cannot see any sunlight, but the food's good. You know, there's some good food, some fish and chips and, you know, yeah, I, I do enjoy going there. I've been there a handful of times now, and every time I go, I like it. Okay, cool. Well, let me know next time. Let me know in advance. I'll see if I can 
swap out the weather for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, give me some 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 time frames where I can see the sun. <laughs> um, can you explain the process of recruiting a player uh, from start to finish? You know, if you're talking about international kids, um, you know how you know you get the lead from a friend or your brother or whoever, and you know what what happens from there. I think. A big part of what I've done or what we've done is trying to identify kids as young as you can, whether it's 15, 16, 17, whatever it is, you know, whether it's through uh, European championships or world championship competitions that they NCAA allows us to attend now, um, identifying them when they're younger <clears throat> and then trying to navigate whether or not those certain kids that you've evaluate that you like or whatever if they're interested in even coming to college a lot of kids depending on their level and status you know they have no interest in coming over to the states uh some of them do some of them don't and so you just have to try to as early as you can identify which ones do and which ones don't whether it's the parents or you know friends or just any kind of advisors that they have or whoever it is scouts or whoever it may be um or just ask them straight up if they have interest in that they do you kind of dig in like you do with any other recruit right you just start to build a relationship with them and their families and 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 talk about your school and talk about your situation and you just kind of go from there and then obviously you're not going to see them as much you're going to probably once or twice a year you know go and watch them or or just stream a lot of stuff maybe online and then you know just always talking to them texting and facetiming whatever it is just checking in on guys and and then just trying to build those relationships. And then when it's time for them to make those decisions, you just hopefully that you've done enough work, uh, enough leg work in it to where they're excited about um, about joining and jump, jumping on board. I think the biggest thing again, is like being on them younger. Um, and, and it starts off by identifying kids through either the FIBAs or you go over there, you know, sometimes you don't go for the FIBA, you go over there for a week at a time and you might jump around to, several different countries or several different spots that you have an idea where kids are at they, that do have interest and you go watch them and then you evaluate them and kind of go from there but then a lot of it because you do it for some time you you figure out uh, maybe maybe there's scouts over there that are helping and, and, and different people that kind of put you in touch with the right guys and you kind of put pieces together and just recruit just like you would re recruit an american kid you're just doing it a little bit further away right a little bit a little bit further <laughs> removed but it's a lot of it's the same just again it's, it just boils down to relationships and, and then the fit the fit i think is obviously for for both the university and the kid and and the coaches like the, the type of kid you know what are you trying to get out of it what do you what do you what does the kid want out of it what does the the parents want out of it and just trying to identify what those things are early on that way you know you know you're going in the same in the right direction with the fact that you don't get to see them very often, um, and I guess, you know, video, um, I, I tell all my players that I coach, I've never seen a highlight tape where a guy misses a shot, right? Everyone's 100% from the field. So how do you, especially coming from a, a, a college standpoint, you know, from a team, how do you ensure that it fits? Yeah. Now, how do you, you know, what do you do for it's the right fit? I think it's just, you know, whether you're a highlight, sending a highlight as an American kid or an <clears throat> international kid, I, I, I just don't, I don't think a lot of coaches put a lot of weight into highlights. I think highlights are good to maybe try to grab somebody's attention initially, but 
like you know, like you just said, like anybody can make a highlight. I can make a highlight right now in my driveway, clip it up, and make it look like I'm pretty good, you know. Or you know, like I think that that I think that can get mistaken a little bit. I think you can, you know, and I think a lot of coaches. I don't know. I can't speak a lot of coaches. I just know for me, if I see a highlight and it kind of draws interest, I might, you know, reach out to a friend over there and ask him, "Hey, you seen this kid or whatever?" And then just kind of go from there. But usually, it's not going to work. Usually, you're for me. I'm going to identify a kid, you know, in a large setting like a FIBA championship or some kind of tournament for a word of mouth from a friend, um, and then follow up accordingly, like. There's going to be rare times that I'm going to get an email or a video from from somebody sent to me that it's going to pan out to be somebody that we're going to because there's going to be so many of those that are happening all the time and I mean I'm not saying it I'm not saying it can't happen um, but I feel like I'm going to do the best I can to identify as many kids as I can know what we're looking for at the same time too we might not you know it might be a an email of a or video of a guard somebody says me, we're not recruiting a guard you know what i mean so it just it, mm. it goes back to what i said earlier the fit the fit is what it all boils down to if, if, if it's not what the fit is then it's you're not looking for that you're not trying to identify now if there's a good player and he might be under the radar and somebody sends you something and it's a highlight and then you dig in further and ask for them to send you a full game and and then you know things can escalate from that for sure that could happen um but I think for me, the success that I've had is just through identifying them in a, in a tournament setting, watching them as they're younger, watching their progression, finding out if they're interested in coming to the states first of all, and then and then just kind of informing them of the process and and kind of going down the road that way more than probably sending off a, a highlight or a video. Okay, and. So you just spoke about from your side of things and what you do in your process. You know, there is some merit, but not a lot of merit to the highlight tapes. So what about, you know, if we've got a player from Estonia, let's say he's like, you know, 6'8", um, and he's working really well, and he's like, hey, I want to get to the States. Um, he might have proactive parents. Like, what is the best thing for them to do to get your it's, attention? It, it, is he playing on the is he playing on the national level for his team or is he not no if he's not and and he has interest i think a couple things can happen what i would do is i would i would i would identify either in his country or other countries that have reputable I don't know if there's like a scouting service or somebody that connects with coaches on a regular basis. I think that anything that you have to pay to get your stuff out there, I don't really think it, I don't know. I, I haven't been on that end of it. If there's something that you're paying somebody to do for you. I don't really necessarily think that that's the answer. I think that if you have try to find connections through coaches that maybe know a scouting service or somebody that connects with college coaches on a regular basis mm -hmm. and put it on the radar to them that you have a, a, a player or a kid that's interested in, in coming over here. The other thing I think that people could do besides emailing division one coaches, you know, is there's division two, there's junior college, there's any, there's so many different levels of college basketball here where you can earn scholarships and I think honestly like the junior college route 
sometimes is becoming a little bit overlooked. And I think that there's a lot of good international players that are currently playing in junior college in the United States. And, you know, if you can somehow connect, if it's just a mass email to those guys, I just sometimes think the mass emails get a little bit watered down because there's so many of them. So I guess the biggest advice I would say is if you really have genuine interest is trying to connect with somebody and he might not be in Estonia. He might not be in those Baltic countries up there. It might be in, in Germany. He might be in, you know, France or whatever. And it might be somebody to reach out to them through an email or connection. Like, Hey, you know, I've seen that you've done this before. I've seen you passed on names in the past. And, you know, I have, this is my son or this is my player, whoever it may be, that's really interested. And is there any way you could pass this information on? And then if he's not playing at the national level uh, for his country, I think it's okay. It's just got to have enough film and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and I, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't lie. I mean, you got to be a good player, right? Like it's, the, mm -hmm. it's what it is. Like it's either you, either you can play or you can't play and if you can play and, and you're just not getting the, the looks or whatever it may be. Now, if it's a situation where you're trying to find maybe a high school and trying to come over here earlier on, I think there's an opportunity for that. I'm not too sure about that. I mean, you would know a lot better than me even on that, like how to get kids into high school over here, but um, prep schools or whatever it may be. But I do think that the more the college coaches for if he's a, if he's a division one basketball player, for sure, there's got to be somebody over there that can connect um, like, hey, I, I've seen this kid, you know, I can vouch for this kid or whatever it is. I think that that helps a lot because again, I keep saying it, it kind of boils down to relationships, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, uh, obviously coaches trust their eyes. They need to trust their eyes. And if they see somebody who's really good and then they're going to do their background, Hey, where's this kid played before? Is he, why is he not, why is he not playing for the national team? Is there a reason why? Is it somebody made a mistake or is there a political thing going on here or whatever? There's all kinds of things I think there can be, but I think if you're determined to try to come over here, there's obviously a spot for everybody. I think you can find something, but, the, the right level and the right situation might just boil down to the connections and the relationships that you can kind of to lean on to get those things done, I guess. It's probably the best way I could say it. But I, I would think that you could really find somebody over there who who knows and has seen players before and can and have those relationships with coaches to pass it on. I think that's probably your best bet. Like a kind of like a handler sort of thing, you know? Yeah, and I, I, I think handler kind of a bat, kind of a a weird term because it's like uh you know i don't know like a coach or like like for example yeah. uh i don't want to name drop but like sometimes there's an there's some of these countries have like academies or whatever like they'll have like a national academy that yeah and he might not be involved like there's a there's a there's a there's a, an academy in finland right like and and the kid might not play at the academy for whatever reason but like at least those coaches at the academy should probably know about that kid no, because he's yeah. in his country and then there could be a reference point oh yeah i've seen a kid and he's this or he's that or um I, it's about relationships man it's about the relationships that you have and and if you can play and people know who you are and they can vouch for you and they can they can recommend you or whatever it may be or um and you don't again i don't think you have to play for the national team i don't think you have to that has to be the case but i do think that obviously that helps because it's a you know, can kind of give coaches a reference point. Mm -hmm. But I do think that if there's somebody that knows you or re reference you or, or has a relationship with you, I think it's going to obviously do you more help, you know? 
Yeah, I think so too. And you kind of mentioned something. I don't know why um, I didn't think of it before, but um, I guess the demographic I was kind of asking the question for was the, you know, 18 year olds. But yeah, if they're 17, 16, even younger, then why not try and get them out earlier? You know what I mean? Rather than trying to stay in your home country and, you know, make it a harder ordeal. You know, if they come over a little bit earlier, prep school, high school, whatever, um, then it makes that transition a little bit smoother because now you're in the States and, you know, coaches can travel and see you. And there's a lot more word of mouth in, in America, obviously, than, you know, in some of those um other countries so i think yeah. i think that's it, a great that's a great point and it goes you know it goes both ways as far as like how you know there's no there's definitely no right way to do it there's definitely no one way to do it that mm. i think there's multiple ways it could be done i think as long as you're playing you're playing you're improving you're getting better you're in a situation where you can improve and coaches are helping you get better and you can get film out you can get stats out you can get stuff done and put it out there that's all whether it's in the states whether it's overseas or wherever it may be as long as that's happening if you're in a situation a lot of kids will come over here and they put in a situation where it's a prep school and they're not in the best living conditions and they're not eating and you hear all kinds of horror stories all the time with kids coming over here and it's not what they thought it was going to be and then it's like why did i leave why didn't i just stay where i was at and and you don't want to get caught in one of those situations either you know you want to make sure it's, it's the right deal and it's like the same thing I said. It's, it just starts with relationships and it starts with the right fit and, and, and doing the research and and uh, and really kind of, you know, has there been another kid that, that followed that path? Are these people committed to recruiting international kids or is it something they just wanted to do it on a one out of four year whim? Like, is it something that they're committed to doing consistently? And, and, and I think that's with anybody, with anything, but... I think there's some precedence there and, and, and kids have followed that path before. I think that obviously helps. Um, but I think it really boils down to relationships and and and, and, uh, and, and, and getting kids that understand like it's been done before or... Um, and, Understanding and the process the, of yeah. how it all goes. Yeah, yeah I exactly. I agree. Okay, so, right. So we've got our recruit, you know, we picked him up from um switzerland let's say um what should a freshman expect coming into a program you know what's from from playing time to meals to like what should a freshman expect it's going to be really hard it's going to be really challenging it's going to be a language barrier it's going to be a food thing it's going to be a cultural thing it's going to be a social thing it's going to be a big a big change you know it's going to be coming from a situation likely where you played a lot versus uh, maybe a situation where you're not going to play at all right initially as a freshman or whatever it may be like it's going to be challenging it's going to be away from home it's going to be like I said, it's going to be language it's going to be a lot of different things but i do think again keep going back to it if the relationships are genuine and there's a commitment to your to your success you just got to stick with it and you just got to get, get through it i think that first year kids sometimes will hit that initial wall of being like where am i what am i doing i heard so many stories like even teammates that i had like they come over and they're just like what am i doing and then they they kind of fight through it and they and and, and they push through it and then you know on the other side of it they come out a better person and just more mature and, and things like that and 
again, I think that it's you know, kids got to know it's going to be it's going to be really difficult. I mean, Division One college basketball at any level, whether it's you want to say low major, mid major, high major, whatever it may be, it's really really hard. You know, we give 13 scholarships uh, to everybody. You know, and every school gives 13 scholarships too, so we all get the same thing. We're all trying to give the best players we can, and we're competing for it every single day. And I think the one thing that college basketball unlike maybe professional professional basketball too but like college basketball is really about toughness like being able to come over and compete practices are hard it's physical it's demanding on your body you know you then you're obviously also balancing the academic portion of it which is really challenging um you're balancing the fact that odd international kids the reason why for me I recruit overseas is a lot of these kids have been doing this already at such a young age 14 15 years old they move away from their homes they go to these clubs maybe even out of country and they're doing that already right so they're already used to it so i think there's an advantage Sorry. recruiting international kids because they, they come over here and they're already kind of used to it. if it's a kid that hasn't done that from overseas uh and hasn't played for a club and is not really kind of out of their comfort zone early on at an early age then coming here could be really really challenging but for the most part, it seems like because European kids don't have the same high school system where they play and stuff like that, usually there, there's a lot more familiarity with already being away from home or generally, obviously that's kind of speaking general. That's my experience. I do think that the academic portion and studying and eating and study hall and training room and and film room and practice and and then doing it every single day all over again, you know, people talk about it all the time, it's really difficult. And and it's an adjustment for sure. Now, and this isn't down on the list of questions, but you brought it up, especially there's been a change over the last <laughs> two years because of the COVID situation. But you talk about kids that have already matured somewhat and gone to different clubs and had the experience of being away from home and all, all the rest of it. Now, has that changed in the recruitment world um, also because of the transfer wire, the the transfer uh, for college? So now instead of getting a, a four-year kid, you might get a two-year kid now because he's had already been away from home and he's more mature and, you know, I think I think for and I can really only speak on our our situation here. Uh, we talk about it a lot. Is I think that it's completely changed. The whole recruiting that, uh, paradigm has shifted. Like <clears throat> you know, it used to be kind of like you'd build your you know recruit maybe some young guys, mix the guys, mix some guys in, and kind of just stack your classes and try to try to stack, you know, hey, I got this many juniors, this many seniors, this many sophomores, this many freshmen, and every year you're kind of just reloading and you're just kind of trying to build. I don't really think that that, I, I think it does exist, but I think it's harder for that to exist now. And the reason why I think it's harder for that to exist now is because of the immediate transfer eligibility rule that the NCAA had passed this last year and now, which makes kids, instead of having a year of residency and transferring, where they have to sit out in a year of registering, it's no longer they eligible to transfer right away assuming they meet all the requirements academically there's some requirements academic in order for that to happen but because of that the you know you're going to be able to go get kids that can come and play right away that have already practiced played whatever may be in that college setting and you can go get them and then likewise those same kids that you just recruited 
can leave your program just as, just as easily, right? So, yeah. So, for yeah. us, the reason why I think it's changed is because we don't want to be a feeder program for a school that's bigger than us or higher than us or whatever you want to call it. Like, we don't want to be a school that's going to develop somebody, and then in year two they decide to go transfer. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because okay. it, what, yeah, what, yeah, happens, yeah. what happens is, is then you just become a developmental program for a high, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. A, uh, you want to say a, pack, a power five school, whatever it may be. So we're going to do our research the best we can to maybe maybe recruit the kids and, and recruit them and, and, and show interest and stuff like that. But then knowing that you're probably not going to get them, but then he's going to go to a different school and he might not be as happy as he wants to be or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to try to recruit him on, on the other way coming back. But again, it's just it's just the way that things are set up right now. I think that you kind of mentioned it. The older that you can be, for us, again, I can't speak for every, every school in the country, but the older that you can be, the better off it is going to be for us. We, we want our team to just to be older. Now, we want to find good players, and we're not going to turn out a good player who's younger. But knowing that the kid has the ability to transfer, we really don't want to take the chance on taking a kid that's going to be there for one year or two years or whatever, and then leave. And then we got to put all that time in developing him, and then he's gone because he knows the player knows that he can leave without sitting out for a year in in red shirt. You know, that's that's crazy thing. You know, I didn't even. You know, think of it the other, you know, I'm thinking of it from a player standpoint, but yeah, from a program standpoint, you know, hey, yeah, you developed me and hey, yeah, I just wanted to get to a D1 school, get seen, get my stats up pretty much, and off I go. Like, yeah, that's oof. Yeah, it's be- a tough deal. We're not gonna, we're not gonna put ourselves in that boat. So now we recruit them, build a relationship with them, and then, you know, when they go to wherever they go and they, aren't happy or whatever it is, then we'll be there ready for them to come back and we'll be ready with open arms. Hopefully, assuming we have the scholarship available in the first place. But but uh yeah, it's a it's a it's a tricky deal. I think when they made the rule, I think they they did it in order to help kids because you see a lot of kids that sit out for a year and then you know they the argument a lot of times is well, you know, coaches can leave and go and come and do all this stuff and these players have to be stuck in the year redshirting and so let's give them a one year automatically a one-time automatic transfer without the sitting out and so which i understand i think the hard part about it is is it almost it it it, it hurts some kids because that transfer portal now becomes a little bit more attractive to colleges recruiting because a couple things i can go try to recruit a kid out of the transfer portal if i know the background and everything else checks off that's already been in the college basketball practice. He's already been yeah. to study hall. He's already been to uh, classes. Yeah. He's already been to the training room. He already, he's already been to weights. He's done those things at this level versus a freshman, incoming freshman who hasn't done any of those things. But at the same time, like maybe there's a reason why the kid's in the transfer board. Maybe he's not the best fit anyway. You know, you don't really know. I think mm-hmm. you just kind of have to do the research. <laughs> it's definitely a gamble. So, but at the same time, I say, okay, well, I don't want to do that. I'm going to look at the freshman. And I'm going to teach him and I'm going to make him the way we want to make him. And then he does that. And then a year from now, he's like, you know what? I, I want to go play over here. It's just like, it's tough. You know, it's a kind of a catch 22 a little bit. So Jeez. there's no, there's definitely no 
there's definitely one thing I can tell you. There's definitely no, there's definitely no exact science to it. There's no perfect way to do it. There's no right answer to do it. And there's definitely, it, it's definitely as fluid as it can be. It's always changing. It's changing day by day. It's changing by your current roster, by the kids that you have signed, by the kids you have committed, by the kids that are going to graduate, by the kids that you may think that might transfer. That might. It's just there's. It's just changes. Yeah. It changes day by day. You know, it changes by injuries. It changes by. You know, it can change by anything. So it's just always, just always recruiting. You're always working. You're always talking to people uh, in order to figure out. You know what the what the best move is, and there's there's again there's no right answer to that. You know, man, that's crazy. I mean, hey, um, definitely a low stress job coaching college high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so real quick, so it seems to be a, uh, I guess being around it more, I don't hear it as much, but I do know when I was back in England and 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 uh, over in Europe. There's a stigma about going to JUCO. Players don't want to go to junior college. Um, you know, they think it's uh, low-level basketball, or they don't think it's productive. Um, what would you say to a, a prospect that has an opportunity to go to junior college but thinks it's beneath them? I think junior college. I think my per personal analysis of it is I personally think I, I I've never really been a <clears throat> Juco guy, personally, I never really, but now moving forward, I think that junior college is going to get better and better and better and better. In my personal opinion, I could be completely wrong. I have no idea, but I think the way it trends is kids out of high school, kids out of high school or international kids are going to rely more on junior college now than ever, <clears throat> than ever before, in my opinion. Because I think you have this situation. There's a lot of junior college situations out there that are good, that are that are that are good situations, and they give you scholarships. There's a chance to earn a, an associate's degree, uh, get college credits, develop, get older. Like I said it earlier that you know we want older kids. Well, going to junior college gets you pretty old. Like you get older, right? You get two years older. So you come out of high school at 19, you get out of junior college at 21 years old. You know, or 20 years old or whatever it is so it's an opportunity to get older it's, it's an opportunity to play against older players um there's really good coaches in junior college and yeah i think it's going to keep getting better and better i really do i think it's i think it's kind of the new you know and i think the other thing is division one players if they don't get picked up in the portal from another division one school i think junior college you're going to pick up so you're not even be playing with a kid that just played at that level on your team i mean that's that's a good experience, you know, if it's the right, mm -hmm. again, it's going to boil down to the right fit for that individual player. But I personally think junior college basketball across the country will get better. And I strongly encourage kids, not only international kids, but even American kids to look into that route, you know? Mm, yeah. And, and yeah, quite rightly, you know, with the, as we just spoke about the transfer um, portal and it being, I, I would say there'd be a, uh, a backlog almost so to speak you know from getting scholarships and getting guys in places you know these junior college are, are great as you said to give them experience get them older get them uh somewhat accustomed to college classes um and you know it's like that 
prerequisite to playing, you know, actual, you know, D1, D2 um, ball. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely not a situation to be sniffed at. You know what I mean? No, I don't think so. I think it's a, I think it's a really good opportunity. Again, well done to fit. Talked about it. Is it the right? Have they had success with it before? You know, you got to do all your research on it, but I don't think that it's something to stick your nose up to at all. I think it's a really good opportunity. Scholarship, right? Yeah. Free, free, free money is free money. Last time I checked, so I <laughs> can't grumble. Um, and then, you know, as a recruiter as well, what what's your views on junior college versus prep school versus academies? Like, where would you source the better talent? Is there, you know, a better talent in one of those levels? Yeah, I think. Well, again, I think it boils down to there's good players everywhere. I think that the advantage to the junior college thing is just you're, you're a year or two older. You're just older. You're just playing against older players. You're playing against college basketball players. I think that there has a lot more merit to that. I do think there's really good players at prep school. I think there's some academies around the country that are really good, that do a good job. But sometimes that there's so, there's so many of these, so many prep schools that kind of pop up here and there all over the country that that are good and then there's some of them that aren't as good. So you don't really know, you don't know what you're kind of getting sometimes in some of those prep schools. Um, sometimes you have to pay money versus a scholarship. Now, I think a lot of kids think, well, this going to junior college, my, my clock starts, my, well, yeah, but again, if it's the right fit in the right situation, is it free? And then there's an opportunity to play against older players and get better and get coached at a higher level versus, uh, kind of an upstart prep school, you know, you got to do your research. I think it, it, it's going to depend on who the kid is and the situation they're coming from. But sometimes you got to pay money for those prep schools. Do they have money to pay? Is it, you know, they, a lot of them will tell you that they're going to get you a scholarship. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, everybody's, nobody can get you a scholarship. The only way to get you a scholarship is a university. Nobody's going to, Nobody can convince a school. Now, if you're a good player, then there's going to be a lot of scholarship offers or multiple scholarship mm. offers. But nobody can get you a scholarship. I don't think. I mean, I've never, I've never ran a prep school or anything like that. I know a lot of a lot of really good coaches and really good prep school guys that do a really good job with their kids and they take care of them and they, you know, do a tremendous job. I I do. I know a lot of guys, but. The idea of somebody's going to get you a scholarship is, huh, I don't really know. I don't really, I guess I've never been there. I do know that it, there's some guys that can coach them and they put them in a great situation to, to compete and get seen. And the getting the scholarship part is kind of on the kid. You know, they got to do their job and and play, you know. Get, and get, and get, I, think, I think I think there's the other side, side to it too. Um, as much as it is, and, and I guess that's going to be the theme for, this show but you know the fit you know you like a kid you think he plays well or well enough and you talk to him and he's got the personality of a log you know what i mean you're not really gonna you know okay yeah i don't think we're gonna offer him a scholarship unless he's top 100 in the country or you know something like that you know if he's got no personality he doesn't you know seem enthusiastic about being a part of your program or you know seem that interested I think those are the kids that you end up passing on anyway, because there's going to be another kid, similar talent, who's going to be a better fit chemistry-wise to the program. I, I, I mean, I, I think that's a, definitely a no-brainer. I think that there's 
a lot of really good players out there. But what are the separators? What are the what are the separators? And I think you definitely talked about. It. I think that you know higher character and good quality of of kid is what you want to try to fill yourself put put around your team. Definitely, yeah. You don't want any. You know, there's a lot of a lot of good players out there, and that's the same for every level, right? There's a lot of good players that can play. There's a lot of good players that probably can play in the NBA, but there's obviously a separator the reason why they're not. You know, I think that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you want to try to do the best you can in putting good kids and around your teammates, you know, and around their teammates, and and and, uh, and and building it like that for sure. Because there's there's a lot of stuff that relies on chemistry. There's a lot of a lot of success relies on a lot more than just talent, right? Like. Mm-hmm. We all know that as coaches. Um, how easy or how hard is it for an international student to integrate into a program? Like, what's what do you guys, you know, say at Bakersfield, what do you guys do with your international kids to make them feel a part of, you know, the team and the, the school community? Good question. I think we do a good job. I think, we, you know, our kid now that we have is loves it. And, you know, he's kind of, falling right into it in, in a situation where he's got good teammates who kind of embrace, you know, embrace them. And we do a good job of, you know, including them and maybe inviting them over to have dinner here and there and trying to make sure they're spending time together. But I think it's just with any other teammate, right? You're going to gel with certain guys better than others. And, and you just hope that you put a good group out there that'll, that'll gel on the court. But I do think that, um, you know, initially you could try to, try to maybe, invite him over and you know have him over to the house and make him feel as comfortable as you can being away from their home maybe holidays and special times where they're you know away from their family that like christmas and things like that if you want to have them over and make them feel a part of it you can do stuff like that you know to make them make them feel welcome but we're going to do it every day it's not going to be just like a, a one that's going to be an every day of continue to build those relationships and, and helping them get better, whether it's watching film with them, whether it's working out with them, whether it's just having a conversation with them or whatever it may be to just continually make them feel like they're, 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 they're part of the team and, and their teammates should be doing the same thing, you know, but we're going to do that every single day. It's going to be an everyday deal. Where we're going to spend time. I think when you spend time with people, they know you care about them and they know that, that, that you, you want to see what's best for them kind of come, come about. Mm, I think that's that's definitely um, really important, and you know, uh, I know the holidays in particular. You know, at, at my high school here, um, the holidays in particular, where everyone's got their customs, right? Everyone's got their traditions, and you know, when they're away from those traditions, I think that's when the homesickness really kicks in. You really got to reach out and hold on to them and let them know that hey, even though you're not having your own tradition, you're a part of our tradition now and making feel loved and wanted. So yeah, definitely a, a, a big thing there. Um, what's typically covered in a, a D1 scholarship? Everything's covered. Everything is paid for, food, housing, books, um, meals. It depends, I guess, if you're, yeah, meals, because if you're off campus, we'll give you, we'll write you a check, we will write you a check. You get the money that that would cover meals that would be on campus. If you're on campus, you get usually a meal card that kind of, you know, three, four meals a day, whatever it is. And then obviously during the season, we're feeding the guys once, twice, three times a day, depending on if it's a game day and things like that. If we're traveling or we're you know getting money for per diem from the airports and things like that, so you're pretty much everything is covered. Um, 
Flights. Uh, flights, a little bit different. Flights can be, you know, in certain situations, I think where there's emergency situations or sometimes there's waivers that you can apply for if there's a hardship and an initial flight or maybe to go home for a holiday because of, you know, maybe you guys end the, end the road trip and somewhere else and then instead of flying the kid home they can fly him, or flying back to the university they can fly him back to there there's different rules you can do it just depends but not like you can't pay for flights regularly like just just to book a flight you know it's, it's got to be a certain situation that you'd have to you know get compliance to, to sign off on but but there are situations where you can you know cover a flight but again it's got to be a, a special situation but other than that um, you know, you're getting your per diem, you're getting meals, you're getting uh, usually some extra money on the side. I mean, our situation here is we put our guys, we have an apart, pump, apartment complex across the street from the university, really nice. And we put all our guys there and they all have roommates, they have their own room, their own bathroom. And then, uh, you know, their own setup there where they share with a teammate. And then because of that, they live off campus, we're able to write them a check the university writes them a check that just covers all their expenses and then whatever's left over is their money. You know what I mean? So I think it just depends uh, on the university, but a, a division one scholarship includes uh, room books, board fees and tuition, you know, generally speaking, you know? Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, Hey, if you need um, someone that's slightly past this prime, you know, coach, let me know, man, I can, Coming in, grab a rebound if you need. If you, if that's the deal that you got to handing out, you think you could? Uh, I mean, you know, a couple rebounds, at least three. Man, these young three. boys, have, you know, got some some uh, endurance. I'd have to work on that. But I'm 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 there for you if you need me. I'll, um, talk, to, I'll talk to coach about it. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I play as a, a, a point center if you need one. All right. Same those are becoming well. those are becoming more rare. I think that's a pretty good find, to be <laughs> honest. If I go back to coach right now and talk about this point center I just got, I think it'd be a good uh, a good selling point because you don't find a lot of those anymore. I, I'm telling you, you know, same same height as a point guard, built like a center. I'm your man. Trust me. <laughs> um, kind of like uh, Nikola Jokic, right? That he saw that pass he made the other day. Oh yeah, oh he, no, he is. He is something special, I tell you. Um, so that's kind of what you're saying you're like, a little bit like that. Yeah, just just not seven feet. Just bring it right. down a couple, a couple, couple feet. You know, maybe a foot, but you know, I'm right there, right, right on the edge. <laughs> sounds like a good. Sounds like a really good. <laughs> sounds like a good deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> last season we spoke to some players and and, and coaches about. Um, you know, coaches promising court time. You know, when you recruit these kids, everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to, um, you know, get minutes and, and all the rest of it. And then when they get to the program, it doesn't pan out that way. Can you speak to that? Have you, you know, ever said to a kid, hey, look, I'm going to play you 25 minutes. And then he's come to the program and then, you know, he's, he's been riding the pile. I can't, I can't really speak on that much. I, I can't really, I don't know. I've never really heard too many of situations like that where 
coaches guaranteed anybody minutes. I think everybody's got to compete, right? Like, I don't know. I think if you're promising kids minutes or somebody's promising you minutes, it's probably not the truth. Because you're going to have to go in there and play. You know, you have to go in there and compete. That's what this is all about, right? You know, like, <clears throat> I don't know. The only, only way I can think of it is, like, you know, the NBA, like, LeBron is getting paid more than anybody. Russell Westbrook's getting paid more than anybody. James Harden's getting paid. Kevin Durant, you, you guys are getting paid more than everybody, right? So they are the guys that are going to get the promises or the shots or whatever it may be. Those are the guys, mm-hmm. right? Everybody else has got to figure out how to compete, fill a role, do the little things, and then keep a job, right? Like, <laughs> in college, like, there is no, like, there's your best players for sure there's there's your good players or better whatever obviously you know you hope you have better players but like for the most part we all get the same scholarship you get the same scholarship that i get that he gets they get so like obviously have good players that you know we identify but there's nobody who's getting there's no lebron getting paid like there's not a guy on your team getting paid now i guess now some of this nil stuff you know that's Mm. a different conversation but but i do think that for the most part, like you got to come in there, you got to compete with the guy that's getting a scholarship right next to you, and then the guy that's getting next scholarship, you got to go in there and earn it. You know, there's nobody, anybody that's telling you, it's almost like the same thing as before. If there's somebody telling you that they're going to get you a scholarship, it's almost like the same thing. Like somebody's telling you, yeah, you're going to start and play this many minutes, but what happens if you go there and you're not one of the best players? They're going to just do that and lose. And I don't know. I've never, I don't know. That just seems to me like it doesn't really work out. Now maybe they're saying that to get you in recruiting and that's the recruiting pitch and then they get there. Well, that's kind of, I think a little bit of on you to evaluate that. Cause I, I think it's hard to guarantee somebody minutes or starting position or, or certain things when you haven't gotten there yet. You haven't played, you know? Mm, it's true. And it's always different, right? You can always, there's certain kids that you'll find or certain players that you'll find that are quote unquote like gamers. Do you know what I mean? You no matter where you put them, they will flourish. You know, they'll, you know, uh, when the lights are on, they're not scared. And then there's some kids, you know, a lot of them, A, there's an adjustment period, and B, it's like, oh my God, I didn't expect, you know, I, I had no idea that college was going to be this physical or this at this pace or whatever. So, yeah, I think anyone that is, any coach that, promises uh starting roles or minutes i think anyone you know that has that needs to take it with a pinch of salt yeah i think you gotta just make sure you understand that like that could definitely that could end up not happening right like just be aware of that now, if you want to go with that and bet on yourself and do all that that's great but just know that it, it definitely could not happen you know and if that's what you're going to base your decision on then that might be something to rethink because are you going to like it that place if you aren't getting the promises that they guaranteed you. If you're gonna be happy there, no matter what, then that's a great place. But if you're gonna go somewhere based on something like that, that might be tough. Because if you don't get it, you're gonna be living there every day. And if you don't like it, you're not gonna be too happy. All right, so what does a typical college day consist of? We wake up, we have weights, usually around 7.15 and probably got to grab some breakfast before that or grab something to eat so you can't go to weights, empty stomach, lift, shower, 
depending on your study hall time. You got to go to study hall around nine, ten o'clock. Go there, um, knock that out for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, depending on what you got to get done. And from there, you might grab some lunch. You know, practice usually around three o'clock. Kind of prepare yourself to practice. Get ready to go. Come to practice three to five, three to six, depending on what we got going on that day. Maybe watch some film before practice. And then you're done. You gotta, you know, finish up around six o'clock, seven o'clock. Grab something to eat. Maybe go home, get some homework done. Make sure you get yourself all prepared the next day. And then you just gotta get some sleep. You know, you can't stay up all night. Can't stay up till eleven on your phone. Twelve o'clock, one o'clock. You gotta get some real sleep. And you gotta wake up the next day. And you gotta do it all over again. Um, obviously, depending on the time of year, whether you're playing games or whether it's preseason or postseason or off season you know it might vary a little bit more um you might have some special projects school-wise or maybe after practice you gotta <clears throat> go meet up with some classmates or whatever it may be um you know there obviously might be a time where after you go eat you don't have homework you want to get back in the gym and get some shots up um or maybe after weights in the morning uh before you go to study hall Get some shots up after weights because you, you definitely don't want to just go to practice and then that's the only time you see the gym right like mm. you're not you're not you're not going to get better you know you, you got to get in the gym you got to be in there uh on your own with a coach whatever whatever you know whatever's allowed at the time but you got to get back in the gym and and, and work on things and, and and spend extra time watching film and and like i said before you got to be getting the rest necessary you got to get recovery i didn't even mention like you might get after practice, you got to go to the training room, right, for an hour and rehab yeah. on something, or before practice. So yeah, it's 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 really really difficult. It's really difficult to balance that. You got to get the rest, you got to get the, the nutrition, the hydration, the the training, the lifting, the recovery, all those things you got to do with classes and stuff like that. And then you got to play games, and then you got to you got to do it every single day. You can't do it one day. You can't do it two days. You can't do it three days. It's got to be every single day, you know. And so, I think that definitely, if it's you know, it's it's not for everybody. It's definitely not for everybody. It's really it's really difficult, you know. Mm, yeah, I, I I like that last. You know, not for everybody. And, and my biggest thing in seeing so many kids, you know, be coaching prep a couple of years ago. Being in a lot of these academies um, now in high school, like you know, you ask them, "What's your aspiration?" They're, "Oh, play college ball, play college ball, play D one, play college." And from their behaviors, you know, they're not gonna, you know, they're, they're not gonna, it's not gonna pan out. You know, you say to them, "Hey, look, we're practicing tomorrow at six and then, oh, it's grumbles, and you're like, "Hey, this is, you know." to get to where you want to be and you're grumbling about putting in the work to get there when you get like it's yeah it's never gonna happen for you yeah it's not it's not for everybody and then that's okay though like there, there might be that's on the coaches to figure out like is this is this kid meant for this is this kid cut out for this and then kids can change kids can make adjustments and once they get through it and they see it and they've had some success at it then they they get better at it right but <clears throat> it's definitely something that it's going to take some some grit and some toughness about you to be able to push through when you're tired and do the things that are necessary that you really don't want to do that you have to do in order to be successful you know because it's just it's just really a constant everyday 
grind. You know, you're not going to always feel healthy. Your legs aren't going to always feel fresh. You're something's going to hurt. You know, something's going to be sore. Something's going to be nagging. But you're going to have the toughness and the uh, concentration, the discipline to go to the training room an hour before practice and take care of it before you practice. And then after practice, you got to do what you got to do to treat it. And then like on top of that, go to class. On top of that, eat your dinner. On top of that, drink water and sleep. And it's it just kind of, and, 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 you know, it's, there's a lot of fun in that, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of fun in that. There's a lot of fun in the results when you can win and you can put a good product in the court and you can get better and you see improvement and that, that's what pays off, right? But in, in, in doing all those things, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of mental toughness to kind of push through because it's definitely not, like you said, it's not for everybody. It's not easy, you know? Mm, I, I, I definitely, you know, as I said, it's, and I think the fact that I've, I've become Oh, you know, somebody who's developing these kids, these young guys, you get invested, right? You're like, oh man, like, I really see the potential in this kid and I want to see him grow and blossom. But then at the same time, you realize that it's their life. It's, it's you know, when they mature or they get to a point and they realize like, hey, I no longer want to do this or yeah. actually I'm not going to be able to hack it. Like, I, like I'm okay with that now. I'm not thinking, oh man, I wasted my time. It's like, hey, I've helped this young man, um, young man, young woman realize that, you know, this isn't for them rather than them just swinging in the dark kind of thing. So yeah. I think that's a, a good process. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So what type of, of playing statuses are there? So I know we spoke about it. Can you talk about like, the difference from a red shirt, a medical red shirt, and the uh, I think the, the red shirting thing, red shirting is just an opportunity for if you have injuries or um, you know if you train before if you transfer you automatically spend one year in red shirting. Um, if you injured at some point within the season, you can medical red shirt when there's a certain amount of games that haven't been played. If you're over the amount of games that have, I think it's thirty percent. If you're over that, or Maybe it's ten percent. I can't remember it went off the top of my head, but over a certain amount of percentage of games that you haven't played and you get hurt, you can redshirt that season. Um, academic redshirt. I think the academic redshirt is you maybe meet one of the academic requirements, but not all of it. Whether it's test score, GPA, um, university can redshirt you, depending on the university's policy. Um, if you transfer now, the one-time transfer rule. You can immediately transfer as long as you have the right academic requirements. If you decide that you would want to transfer again, you'd have to spend. You could transfer again. You have to spend the year in academic in, in red shirt. Your residency in red shirt. Red shirting means you usually don't uh, travel. Um, and then there's obviously red shirting with uh, by choice. If the coaches feel like you're not ready to play, and there's an agreement amongst your family or whoever it may be, it. This is what's best for your development. That can happen also. Um, yeah, usually by choice or by medical or academic are probably, probably the main three ways that you redshirt, I guess. And then in that time, you should be doing everything the exact same as everybody else. You just really aren't playing in games. You know, it's just an opportunity to maybe try to improve your body or focus on part of your game that needs to get better or uh, get healthy if it's an injury deal. Um, 
Um, and if it's academic, you're probably focusing on academics more, you know, but it's opportunity for a kid to not play in games, not use a year of their eligibility, and then also be in school and be enrolled and be in classes and practice. Can you practice while you're on a, obviously not if you're injured, but if you are on an academic? Yeah, academic, is, I, think, I want to say it depends. Like, I, there's times where you can't. Like if you come in as a red shirt, academic red shirt, I believe you have to um, you have to like get it earn a certain amount of credits or hours or something like that at a certain GPA. Sometimes I think it depends on the university also, but um, there might be certain requirements you have to meet prior to practicing. Now you could work out on the side on your own, but maybe with a coach or with a team, you can't. It just depends, I think, on the circumstances and, and, and every. Every university's compliance office and administration and, and uh, admissions office would be able to help you navigate that. Obviously, depending on the circ individual circumstance, but uh, there's times I'm sure you can. If it's a if it's a red shirt by choice, by coach's choice or player choice, um, you can practice. If it's act if it's medical, probably not. Depending on the medical deal, and if it's uh, in red shirting because of transfer rules. Uh, you can obviously you just won't be able to play in games, you know. Perfect. Um, how important are academics? The uh, most important part. Without academics, you can't play. If you don't have the right academics, you can't get into school. You're not eligible to, through the NCAA clearinghouse. You can't, you know, you can't play. If you, you can't maintain a certain GPA during the semester or during the season, you can't play for the next semester, next, next, you know, the next year or whatever it may be. So if you lose eligibility, um, that's a big, big problem. Um, we have what's called APR. Uh, we're, you know, we, we have to maintain a certain APR to, to, so we don't lose scholarships and we don't get penalized. It's a whole, whole other thing we could talk about, but it's something for coaches to keep in mind, but APR is really important if we, uh, lose somebody because of academics, we lose points, and that can mean big consequences down the road. So academics is is paramount to what we do. So yeah, you have to maintain your GPAs, and yeah, and then to, to get eligible, first of all, in the first place, you got to do it, and then once you get there, you got to maintain it. You got to be really good because if you fall below it, then you're even if you're talented, you, you can't you're not eligible. Doesn't help anybody, right? Mm. Oh, so you have to pay, that be pay attention to it. The, the APR means that if the program is below a certain GPA or, you know, there's an X amount of players that are below a certain GPA, you guys can lose scholarships. Yeah, so... Um, it's crazy. Yeah, APR is the academic progress rate. It's basically, we're in charge of keeping it, but, but you have to have a certain amount of kids maintain eligibility every year a perfect score every year is a thousand you have to try to get if you you get a you get points for okay so you get points for retaining the kid kid stays in the program the kid doesn't stay in the program does he transfer to a four-year university you transfer to a four-year university you maintain the points as long as he transfers within <laughs> good academic standing so that's another thing he's got to be in good academic standing and then if he transfers, uh, maybe he signs a professional contract, he doesn't graduate. If he signs a professional contract and he's still in good academic standing, then you still maintain the points. If he goes and signs a contract 
and he and he leaves in bad academics and you lose one point and then over a course of, of every four years you it's kind of hard to explain but every four every four years the fourth year drops off and the, the, the score continues to roll over so if you get a thousand one year and the next year you get a seven something or whatever like that that thousand from the year four eventually will drop off and then you'll have that seven so you want to try to maintain as high of a score if you don't do that you can find yourself the university can find itself in some big trouble so yeah it's a very important thing of what we do maintaining a a, a good apr score man that's i mean yeah that's recruits need to know that hey it's not just you you know what i mean it's not personal because it doesn't just affect you it affects everybody down the line and from what you're saying it's a knock-on effect it's a four-year yeah it's a four-year deal so like if like i said once the thousand rolls off and you, you drop off it can really hurt you you know so your academic progress rates is you know are you graduating kids are you you know essentially are you graduating are you remaining in good academic standing are kids remaining in the program are they leaving the program if they're leaving what what status are they leaving in? are they leaving in good status are they leaving in bad status? If they're leaving in good status for whatever reason, they're transferring or they're graduating or they're, or they're going professional, whatever it may be, as long as you're maintaining that status, you're not losing points. When you lose one point, because they go, if one kid drops out, I think if he goes junior college, I think you lose a point. And if he, you know, or he, or he fails out, whatever, there's just different ways, you know, there's all different kinds of scenarios, but you don't want to lose multiple points for bad academics, I guess. Jeez. That's what we do. Yeah. I hear you. Um, and again, similar to the, the red shirt question, can you practice um, with your team while you are academically ineligible? No. No. And that's, and that's a big thing too. Some kids are like, well, I'll just practice. I'll just hang out. No. Well, no. no. You will not be doing that. <laughs> Um, what basic life fundamental skills should a, a, a recruit or a student um, have before joining college? What basic what skills? Yeah, life skills. I think you have good time management. You have to have good uh, good time management and good. Um, you have some discipline, have some grit, have some toughness, have some built-in habits where you're already doing some of the things doing some of the things, you know, mm -hmm. we talked about, but yeah, I think if you're, if you have good habits, I think that'll translate, that'll carry over. If you have bad habits, I think that'll carry over. You know what I mean? Like you want to try to build those habits as early as you can, you know what I mean? With studying and practicing and taking practice serious and hydrating and eating and sleeping and all the things we talked about, the better you can be at that early on, the better you can be off later on, you know? Mm, hey, it makes sense and you know I, I guess uh, like being independent you know being a independent uh, problem solver you yeah. know whether that's you know a self-starter right uh, yeah you're bringing energy I think those are good qualities anytime you go into practice you're bringing energy not sucking the energy out of it you got the guys that say you're practicing at six the next day and they smack their teeth well that's probably not a good sign right <laughs> definitely enough not a good sign when you're smacking your teeth when coaches are around. Um, definitely. Um, coach, really enjoying this. I've got like three more questions for you. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um,
what type of relationships do coaches have with parents? Um, can a parent call you um, because, you know, little Johnny is not playing or, you know, can they call you because, you know, they think he's not eating right? You know, what's the level of relationship you have yeah, with I think parents? You definitely have relationships. I think obviously these kids, they come out here and they, they probably should have a, a level of accountability to themselves. And yeah, I mean, assistant coaches, it's their job to take calls from families and parents and make sure everything's going okay. But obviously head coach probably didn't want to hear from them too much. If it comes to playing time, definitely not. I mean, there's a lot of things that we're dealing with, coaches and head coaches are dealing with. Now, assistant coach, you want to talk about something, that's fine probably. But if it's just, you know, it should be explained to you, this is the way it is. And then this is what this kid's not doing. This is what the kid needs to get better at or whatever. Then probably should be dropped and the kid needs to get those things fixed or do what they need to be doing them. But I would think from the head coach's standpoint, probably not a lot. Assistant coach, maybe a little bit more. Um, but then, yeah, it's, it's on us as a, as a coaches to take things off the head coach's plate and address them and then try to make things better, you know? So I think that we definitely have a relationship with the parents because we recruited them and that's how we probably got the kid. So yeah, you definitely want to maintain those good relationships for sure, you know? So could a, a parent call the assistant coach and be like, hey man, little Johnny hasn't you know, played the last two games, coach. Um, what's going on? Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's got to get better in practice. You know, like he's got to come to practice. That's where he's got to get better. If he gets better in practice, then he'll see himself playing the game. Or, hey, he's just not ready yet. Or, hey, he got hurt. And, he, you know, sprained his ankle and he's coming back or whatever. Obviously, there could be a million different things. But yeah, the parent can call you, but it, it's got to be like understood that like there's a lot of different factors. I think that that can. But I, I guess the question is, can they call you? They should be able to call you, and then they should also be willing to understand the answer that has been given back to you, right? Like, what is <laughs> what's the reason, right? <laughs> but I think if it's a const constant uh, question, then. Maybe there wasn't a lot of trust or something was promised that shouldn't have been promised. I don't know. It just depends, probably. But a parent should never feel like they cannot call. But nobody wants to be called multiple times telling them they haven't played. Like, the coach knows he hasn't played. He has the same stat sheet that the parent has. So. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> I, think yeah. that, I, don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with a parent calling a, a coach or an assistant or whoever. But I just think you got to be prepared for the the answer and and take it and obviously it's, the, it's on the kid to make the changes because a, a parent calling a coach isn't going to give the kid more playing time what i would add my two cents is timing timing and approach are the two things as well i think that's i think that's very accurate you know you don't want to be the first call after a loss or something like yeah. that you want to be smart you want to be smart about it for sure i agree yeah um you you can put your son or daughter in, in some hot water if you know uh, we just came off a lot. We was up 20 at halftime. We lost by 10 at the end of the game. And then, you know, I've got your mom phoning me saying, hey, you know, you know, uh, Donovan didn't play too much, coach. What happened? You know, I think he would have made a difference. No, uh, practice. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Tell Donovan it, to come to practice the next day. Tomorrow, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what advice would you give to parents that are concerned for their son or daughter living thousands of miles away? Now you've got you know three beautiful children yourself. Imagine you're sending the other way. Let's say 
you know, you're sending AJ to England to, to play, you know, what, what are the things that you, you know, want to think of? I want to make sure I do my, my research on the front end. And if I do my research on the front end, you got to trust it and let it, let it, let it play out and trust the situation you put them in. If you put them in a bad situation, that's kind of on you and him and you should figure that out. Now, if you don't know that, and you know, you make a mistake, then you probably got to get through the situation the best you can and then evaluate it when the time comes. But I think when you're in the, in the deal, you probably need to let it uh, play out and let them fight through it and fight through some tough times or whatever it may be. And then, and then evaluate when it's time to, but I think when the kid is in it, you got to let them be in it and, and, uh, and, and let them again, fight through it and try to make the best of every situation. And then like I said, when it's time to evaluate, revalue. But I, I would say that for my kid, I would say that for any kid, like, you know, you're not going to make any changes in the, in, in terms. So you gotta, you gotta figure it out and get through it. I think that'd be my, my way of handling it. Nice. Nice. I really like that. Um, and, and understanding that there is going to be adversity, right? Us as adults. That's, nature. that's the nature of it. There's going to be adversity in everything, you know, there's going to be adversity and that's how you handle it and how you move forward from that. It's how you're going to get better. Right? Like, I think that that's probably the biggest thing. And I think it's, challenging you know you're sending your kid far away but that's why i said you do your research and you trust the coaches and 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 then just and then you put it out there you know that's how we all like we're all everything's not gonna be perfect right everything's not gonna always be the way we want it to be but if i think if you're prepared and going with an open mind and good energy and you're gonna get something out of it whether it's bad or good you're gonna get something out of it and you're gonna learn from that you know and again experience for sure um big question I, you know one of my favorite questions on the show um to finish us off here um dealing with young men particularly uh, men's basketball so um dealing with the off-court distractions like drugs alcohol uh you know sex what would be your advice to recruits um I think that you can only be good at two of three things. I think you can, you have basketball, you have academics, and you have social, right? Like those are the three things that kind of compile the college student. You have your academics, you got your basketball, and you got your social. I think you can only be good at two of the three. Like I, I don't think, you can't be good at three of the three. I think there's just not enough time, there's not enough like, if you can be good at academics, and good at your social, your basketball is probably going to struggle. If you're good at basketball and your social, your academics is going to struggle. You can really only do two of the three things. And so what is it you're going to sacrifice? What is it you're going to give up? Is it going to be, hey, tonight I'm not going to go to that party because I have to study. I'm not going to go to that party because I got to get up for practice in the morning. Or I got to get for weights in the morning. Or I got to get some sleep. Or no, I'm going to go to the party because... I don't really care about my sleep and it's going to be an easy practice tomorrow. Well, you're not going to be good at practice tomorrow. Like you got your grades all situated. And you're like, I'm going to go to the, pra I'm going to go to that party. Well, then practice is going to struggle the next day, you know, or you're going to say, Hey, I'm going to go to that party and my, 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 uh, and I'm going to figure out how to make it work in practice. I'm going to go to that party. Well, then you're probably not going to get your homework done because you didn't go to get your homework done. You know, it's going to be hard for you to do all three of those things consistently. Now, can you, 
you know, you're in college, you should have a good time, you should be able to go do, but you're going to have to make some kind of sacrifice every now and then because you're not going to be able to balance your social, your your academics, and then your athletic stuff all at the same time. It's going to be really hard to do. So you got to give something up. And obviously, if you give up one, it should probably be the social aspect of it because if you give up the other two, those are the reasons why you're there. So you probably shouldn't give up on those two because you're the reason why you're there. It's because of those two things, academics and athletics, right? So I think that's probably the best way you could probably explain it. Two of those three, you could be good at. Three of three, a little bit tougher consistently to be good at all three of them. You know what I mean? Now, is that saying you can't go do certain things with girls or while you have friends? And <clears throat> and obviously, you should be able to do those things because it's a time in your life where you should be able to do that. But I think you just got to have a balance and understanding that I should probably learn to sacrifice at times. And hey, I probably can't do that tonight because X, Y, and Z. But if I got all my things in a row and, and tomorrow, you know, I got some time where I can recover, then maybe you can. But it's just got to be the discipline to understand that and then, and then the, to be able to balance all those things, you know? Appreciate it. Have you got any uh, stories that you can indulge with us? Um, you know, uh, guys making bad choices or, you know, wrong place, wrong time situations? I have a lot of them, but I don't want to put them out there like that. I think that, <laughs> I think that um, <laughs> I, I think that the best way to put it is, is like, you know, you, you want to associate yourself, you want to start yourself off on the right foot. Like, obviously, everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to be, you know, have have that social aspect because that's what you should be doing at your college, college student. But I do think that you have to understand that, like, if you sacrifice those things, it'll pay off. Like if you're doing it the right way, like I think things will pay off for you because you might sacrifice those things right now, but there's gonna be plenty of time with it for you to do those types of things. Like there's not the time that you have right now <clears throat> to be in college, playing basketball, getting an ed education for free. Like that window is so small, you know, it's like this. Like I have three, like you talk about, I have three little kids, right? And we talk about it all the time, me and my wife, like I have a five-year-old, a two-year-old and a one-year-old, two kids in diapers, two kids that don't sleep through the night. Like if you if you whine about it and complain about it all the time that you don't get to sleep or they're always up or they're always changing the diaper, there's always something going on. Like eventually this is not going to be forever, right? These kids yes. are going to be not be babies forever. They're going to grow up and, they're, you know, so like kind of almost got to embrace it, right? So it's kind of the same thing. Like you're not always going to be a Division one basketball player. You're not always going to be getting a free education. You're not always going to be able to go to practice every day. You're not going to be able to do these things forever. So it's like almost just embrace it because you get to do it. Like just embrace that you get to raise these kids and they're they're going to grow up someday and they're going to look at you like, what? You know what I mean? Whereas like now they look at you as like they, they want you to pick them up or they want you to do something with them when you, you know, because they're their kids. And so I think you got to embrace that because it's, it's not going to always be like that. Whereas like the same thing with basketball, I think, um, are you going to be putting opportunities to go out and party and have a good time and be in situations maybe you shouldn't be in? Yeah, but I think if you can minimize those and embrace what you're doing, I think it's it's a great great time for you to do that because it's not going to be there forever. The partying and the socializing that will literally be there forever because it's forever for everybody. It's always there, right? You can always do those things. Can you do them in college? 
can you do them as a student athlete? Yes. But I think the minimal amounts, the right amounts, the balanced amounts is probably what the best thing is for you or for a kid to do. Does that make sense? I, I, I totally hear you. And, you know, I think uh, I'm not speaking from experience, but I think you do it wrong when you're like 20, 21 anyway. You know what I mean? You don't really party properly. You know what I mean? So when you're older, you know how to, you know how to uh, drink responsibly, or you know, just enough to get you over there so that you remember the night. And you know what I mean? You know how to do things properly when you're older. Whereas when you're young, you know what they say, the uh, youth is wasted on the young, right? So, you know, they go out and spend way too much money or drink too much and black out and do this and all that. And now it's, you know, not beneficial. You know what I mean? It's not a, as great a night as when you're older and you kind of navigate it sensibly. Um, so I, I think that's a, a big thing. Um, but yeah, um, so before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to um, say to uh, potential college recruits? Um, no, I think the biggest thing is like I had said, just keep working. And, and uh, if you're if you're if you're working out and you're a hard worker and you're you're getting better, like coaches should find you and, and, and the right people should should connect with you and, and, and help you out to where you need to be and I think that the biggest thing is like you got to just trust trust the process right you got to trust your work and if it, if, it, if it works out it works out and, and you just got to put your uh, your faith in your work I think is probably the biggest thing is let coaches find you and, and and then like you had talked about don't be afraid of junior college route and don't look down on that. That's a great opportunity. And and coaches want to see you succeed. So like coaches are going to try to help. Like if it, if I if I can help with anybody, like, you know, reach out to me and, and put them in touch with me and I can maybe help them try to find a junior college or whatever it may be. But but yeah, there's definitely no there's no right way to do it. You just gotta be persistent about it and keep working at it and keep getting better. Mm, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for, for, for hanging out with us here at the Eurostepping and um, look forward to catching up with you soon, my man. My name is Chris Crevelon, Cal State Bakerfield men's basketball. Thanks for watching my episode of Eurostepping. Go Runners. Appreciate you watching the Eurostepping. I want to thank everybody for watching Eurostepping. Watching the Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. You've been watching the Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. You've been watching the Eurostepping, a great podcast show hosted by Coach D.